Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. everybody and welcome to the present and sober podcast it's nice Ooh. to see sam and <laughs> it would be nice to see you all if i could see you all a uh, big welcome to this week we um we just want to say a massive thank you first of all because we've had such a wonderful response to uh some of the last podcasts and in particular podcast episode number five where we talked about what keeps us stuck and it was really really lovely to hear from so many different people about how helpful that particular episode was and um we were just thrilled to get that feedback so it's great to hear from you and what we wanted to do was pick out uh, so, so that episode was all about what keeps us stuck and we talked specifically about layers of belief and what we want to do is now go a little bit deeper into the substance level beliefs and specifically talking about alcohol so that we can offer additional help in terms of unpicking those beliefs because some of them are uh, uh, you know particularly universal big beliefs keep us stuck we don't tend to interrogate them in any kind of a way and so this is the perfect place to do it and we're going to start with I think our favorite one and a super common one aren't we Sam we are go on then what is it so this is the belief that alcohol relaxes me you everybody so I uh, was certainly drinking for stress release for relaxation and in in my story you will have heard me describe how I, I always considered myself a massive social drinker and the thing that really really changed for me was when I started to drink to relax at the end of the day I wanted to escape at the end of the day I wanted to switch off life was just super busy too busy and the quickest and easiest way to escape was through a glass of wine. Now, where that belief comes from is, you know, so many different things, but, you know, you don't have to look very, very far, do you? So if you look to TV shows and particularly now you see anybody is in a stressful situation, the first thing they do is pour themselves a drink. And there was one, um, program I was watching recently and the women on there were pouring the most enormous glass I mean I'd have done exactly the same thing these glasses of wine were like the size of your head and so th their method of relaxation was or oh, something really terrible's happened we all need a drink pour this massive bucket of wine and started um started on that so it's it's a very very common belief it is um uh it's it's pretty understandable where it comes from and and, and it individually I'd encourage you to think back to you know your own experience from childhood into adolescence but certainly what I found was that when I started to use alcohol as a, a means of relaxation things started to feel very very different and um, and it really it really did change things one of the things that we were talking about earlier on was just how difficult 
life can be, whether you're a man or a woman, and there are some differences. We were debating these earlier on. Uh, As a a woman, from my own experience, I can talk about the hormonal changes that you go through throughout your life and this kind of book ending as we have children later in life, this book ending that we have where we've uh, we're, we're caregiving for young children at the same time as we're caring for aging parents and at the same time uh, either deciding to work or not to work. Um, in my own experience, I'm working, running my own business, doing charity work at the same time. It's just, it's it's a huge amount of stuff that we take on and we don't have the support networks that we would have perhaps had in the past. And, um, you know, you're throwing something like COVID for and, and homeschooling and the invisible list of things, the emotional, uh, the emotional workload and burden that, that we have to deal with, it can be quite something. So I think it's totally understandable that whether you're a man or a woman, that you can find yourself just wanting to check out as quickly as you can and and that being a drink at the end of the day which inevitably leads on tomorrow we'll we'll talk about that in a minute um but the thing one of the points that i really wanted to make about this linked to that point about in my in my story about things changed when i drank for stress release the reason that is is if you drink for uh, to relieve pain effectively if you are trying to kind of self-medicate then your descent is going to be faster. And we're going to talk about exactly why that is um, when we talk about neurochemically how it how it works, how, how it works when, when we drink alcohol. But but that is essentially it. You are um, you are going to descend faster. And if you're a woman in particular, then you are going to um, you're you're basically at higher risk because of our physiology. And, and this is very broad brush, this is very general, but because of your physiology, you are going to find um, that you are at, at higher risk of the the very real health implications of uh, of alcohol I'm getting to that point I don't like talking about because you know who who wants to talk about all of the reasons why it's so detrimental to our health but effectively it is it's important to acknowledge it though mm. but you know really it's interesting we, we drink for the reasons we we do you know, not for the reasons that we shouldn't. It sounds silly, yes. doesn't it? But, you know, we're yeah. giving long lists of why we shouldn't do stuff. We know this. We know it's not. But it's important to to draw attention to it. Yeah. And just to speak just briefly to that point about, you know, the differences maybe between how the beliefs are formed around relaxation and, you know, alcohol relieving stress or anxiety for men and women. Yeah, I think there are different things at play, different societal pressures, different um, assumptions that we all mm. make rightly or wrongly. You know, there's a epidemic of men at the moment who just are not talking um mm. you know there's a real mental health crisis there and i think a lot of that is what what does it mean to be a man models of masculinity vulnerability whether that comes in what is it to be strong you just bottle this shit away and get a bottle out and use it to deal with you know so i think there's as you say like it's it's not the same and and, and often depending on life um situations and circumstances and society and so much you could you know it's not black and white whether these things are going to affect men or women but they often play out in patterns that are beginning to change i think but but we still are mm. you know, that's mm. still the world that we're in a lot of the time but yeah mm. cool i mean so where do we go what's the next sort of real discussion point on this do you think well, I, th- I, th- I think the thing that we need to 
explain to people is the the basic science right because when I discovered this this was this was the magic trick so my main reason was drinking for relaxation and stress release and I had no idea at the time that the very thing that I thought was helping me was the very thing creating the stress and the anxiety. And so learning the very, very basic science. And once you know this, you can't unknow this, but effectively it was the thing that removed my desire to drink. So I'm very, very excited to share it all go, with you. Go. So do you want to draw? You can draw again whilst I... Um... Oh my Lord, again. <laughs> do like to challenge I hope yourself. we're not going beyond circles. <laughs> go on. No, we're not doing circles. We're, do, we're doing lines this time. Oh my god! Oh dear. Right, so, um, so when we drink, uh, the, um, the the first thing that happens is our blood alcohol content starts to rise. And when our blood alcohol content is rising, we get those feelings of uh, euphoria, tipsiness. That sort of feeling of uh, you know the, the relaxation, the um the ease that comes with that that first um that first drink so our blood alcohol content rises the pleasure center of the brain is artificially stimulated Mm -hmm. and so at this point in time your um your brain which is trying to keep you alive thinks oh my goodness we need to do something about this so your brain is always wanting to try and keep you in something called homeostasis, which is effectively balance. So to counter the artificial overstimulation of the pleasure center of the brain, counter chemicals are released. One of those is something called dynorphin, which is effectively a, a, a depressant. And so the dynorphin effect comes into play as your blood alcohol content falls. And that feeling is a real sense of unease. It is a really agitated, uncomfortable feeling. It does not feel good at all. And it's that feeling that has us reaching for the next drink because we want to take that feeling away. It's really interesting as well, just as a point of reflection. If you think back over your life, I used to do this. I would never choose to have just one drink on an afternoon (laughs) before work or no matter how deep I was in, if the thing was like, I was like, no. And and consciously, I didn't know why, but actually I I do know why. It's because I knew that if I just had one and then didn't have the next one, you feel crap. feel terrible. You know, your cravings go up because you want more for that reason. Exactly. And, and, And so this is the point about scratching the itch. So alcohol creates the itch in the first place that you then want to scratch with the next drink. And and the bit that's critical to understand here is not just what's happening, but the timing. So your blood alcohol content rising lasts for, spoiler alert, 20 minutes. That's it. So whether you drink one or more drinks, you are effectively only ever going to get 20 minutes worth of that euphoric feeling that feeling that everybody drinks for 20 minutes that's it the really really bad news is that blood alcohol content falling lasts for hours it can last for four to five hours per drink um and so when because you've had this artificial overstimulation of the pleasure center of the brain the dump of dynorphin into your system is huge and so in in terms of 
the the drawing Sam what I'm looking for is you you were brought up so far by the artificial love stimulation of the pleasure center of the brain but the the counter chemicals bring you back down further than where you started from so if your baseline is here you've been brought down further than where you started off from this whole if you just have one drink and do nothing else you are just going to feel worse than you started off with feeling I think i can maybe do better than this i think i can even share the graphic from this naked mind which oh excellent well yeah that, that that's, we go so yeah because then where we go from here is you reach for the next drink you have the next drink yeah. and your blood alcohol content oh here we go oh, wow sam oh this is very special for those on visual so then um and now it, and now it's really putting me off having a look at it i'm gonna do this for a minute so when we when we drink the next drink our blood alcohol content starts to rise again but the unfortunate thing is as you can see on this lovely diagram that we've got here uh you, you don't come up as far as you did the first time and then your brain again recognizes the artificial overstimulation and offers you some more dynorphin uh, and, and back down you go. And this time you go down further still. And so effectively, this is the law of diminishing returns. And over time, um, you just find yourself further and further and further down. And usually at the very, so this talks about depression on here, usually that the, the real, the worst effects of it, of blood alcohol content falling, we're usually asleep for that. We're usually uh, passed out asleep. We sleep off the worst of it, albeit this is one of the reasons why people will report waking in the middle of the night, feeling huge levels of anxiety um, because the, uh, they're feeling that they're waking up with that, um, the, the couple of the, depressant effect and the stimulant effect. So you'll have heard about alcohol being referred to as a depressant and a stimulant. So you have the depressant effect, but to counter the depressant effect, your body will release cortisol, adrenaline, the stress hormones. And so typically people will wake up in the middle of the night and they'll, they'll feel a lot of anxiety yeah. when they wake. Um, we might need to get rid of the graphic because it's putting That's fine, I'm going to get rid of it. But I mean, ultimately the point here is, and I think, it's interesting just to comment briefly. I have had a few um, of my coaching clients mention to me, they feel as if the blood alcohol content going up lasts longer than 20 minutes, but most people can acknowledge that even if it's an hour, even if it's that kind of like sort of period where you kind of feel the deep sigh. I used to kind of talk about it of like, mm. oh, you know, it doesn't last anything like the length of time that the dysphoria, as you put it, Ellie, yeah. lasts. you know, it's just, it's just worlds apart from each other. Um, yeah. And sorry to interject. The, the thing here is until you pay attention to it, yeah. you're never really going to know. That's it. So the, when I learned this science and it's very, very basic, but it's very real and you can't argue with it. This is, this is what happens. That for me, removed the desire to drink because my, my strongest reason for drinking was it relaxes me. If I can see quite readily that it doesn't relax me, it does the exact opposite. Then why on earth am I ever going to do it again? It just, it, it does, it does not make any sense. And so one of the things that I did do, um, as, as part of the lead up to going into the live alcohol experiment as a participant was a mindful drinking exercise. 
And that mindful drinking exercise not only allowed me to understand that experience of what's really happening, but to pay real careful attention to how I felt because I had other beliefs about alcohol. I believed I liked the taste. I believed that I liked the way that it made me feel. I thought I liked that tipsy feeling. Yes, I liked the tipsy feeling, but what I didn't like was after that 20 minutes, and I could time it, and sure enough, it was about 20 minutes. After that, it was a feeling of very much being closed in, and it was a feeling that I didn't like. And the problem is that once you're on the roundabout, you can't get off. You can't just eliminate it from your system. And having to sit with that feeling that is really quite terrible and unnerving, then it, it's, it's very, very powerful. So if you haven't done a mindful drinking exercise, and this is any, in any way speaking to you, it is something that you might want to, to do. And it's a very simple thing to do. It's, it's basically being mindful whilst you drink. And the important thing is, to pay attention, not just while you're drinking, but to the, the time before you drink. So at the point that you contemplate drinking, at the point that you make the decision to drink, at the point that you first go and take the glass from the cupboard or the bottle from the fridge or whatever it is, because what you will also notice, and we'll talk, I think we'll need to do another episode entirely on, on dopamine, but what you will notice is that the uh, the, the the release of dopamine that we have that's um, associated with a lot of the pleasurable feeling that happens when we anticipate having a drink not necessarily when we actually drink and again that blew my in mind when that when I could feel that having not imbibed anything that is that is some real powerful stuff that's going on there and and and, and being not being in control of that I did not like one bit. So just to finish off this mindful drinking exercise business, in case you want to do it, because I would, I would highly recommend it as, a, as something to open your eyes to. Uh, so you, you basically note down, you can do notes on your phone, you could have a little journal, just make notes of how you feel at each of these points in time and, and the specific thoughts that you hear in your head. What are the series of words that you hear in your head? And take those notes at every point in time to the point where you're pouring the drink, the very first sip of the drink. What does it really taste like? Pay attention to it. What does the second sip taste like? How do you feel for the first five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes? What happens then? What happens when you don't go and get the next drink straight away? What happens if you sit with that for a bit? What happens when you do go and get the next drink? What does it taste like then? And the, the point of this is to take it as far forward as you can. There comes a point where you are not really going to be capable of continuing the mindful drinking exercise because when we drink, we shut off the prefrontal cortex of the brain. So it's only going to make sense for a period of time. But anybody that has done this and invested the time and the energy into it, it's been a profound experience for them. So as I say, I would highly recommend it. Did, did you do a mindful drinking exercise just out of interest, Sam? Yeah, I mean, and I had some really interesting reflections as well. Um, one thing I'd say is that it can be really powerful to remove external distractions from that as well. So like don't, mm. you know, be watching your favorite programs or doing, you know, actually sit and really focus in on the feeling. Mm. Um, I had a, I remember having quite a wake up, a really funny reflection. Um, my, I would say that 
for probably until I went away my first year of uni, I almost always did my drinking around other people, right? Like mm. It was just a social thing. Teenager, we drank a lot, but we, you know, we'd get blitzed at parties and we'd go out to town and do all of that stuff. And I got into the routine of drinking every night at uni, definitely. Uh, quite a lot, you know, a few between, I don't know, six or eight cans of beer probably. Uh, and then, you know, drinking and, and then, you know, smoking joints and whatever as well. Um, but... I remember I had this flashback to the first night that I'd ever had a drink of my own. And, and, and it was, I can remember that at the time I was dating a girl, um, we would just basically buy a bottle of Jack Daniels and then we would just sit and drink this bottle of Jack Daniels and think we were like, you know, punk rock and all the rest of it. Didn't um, feed a cheese at the same time, did you Sam? No, I didn't feed any cheese <laughs> to anybody. Um, not at that point, I don't think. Um, but... I can remember being on my own in halls because I had a job um, in a local restaurant and I remember coming back either early or staying late or something and there being no one else there. And I can remember mm. being in the routine of drinking and going and buying myself a bottle of Jack Daniels, right? Um, and I can remember sitting and getting really excited to be like, yes, this is going to be great. I'm going to sit, I'm going to drink and I'm going to have so much fun and this is this is going to be cool. But the reality was actually about an hour and a half, two hours after I started drinking, I was I felt shite. I was absolutely not enjoying myself and I was super tired and I just went to bed and that mm. kind of was just shelved. You know, what, I didn't think about it. Why would I? And I just carried on. But, you know, really interesting for me to realize that, oh, well, the only reason that actually was enjoyable was because of, you know, really the company and what we, the activities mm. that we were bringing in. Um, and the fact that we were there to like engage each other and keep each other chatting away and all the rest of it um yeah that was interesting mm. and i did do some formal mindful drinking practices it honestly got to the point with me um by the end of my time in poland that the only thing that i really felt from alcohol because i was so aware and i'd read so much about it alcohol explained by william porter has some great exercises in this he actually encourages people to have a drink and then wait two hours and really oh, feel yeah. <laughs> what it's like and if you're brave enough to do that well it's horrible um mm. but i generally got to the point where the only time i felt like i ever got anything from drinking was the wanting would go um and mm. then I would just get this weird feeling of it. It wouldn't feel nice. It was like my body, and this is what happens with tolerance. My body knew what was coming. So the dump of dienorphin and mm. everything would come earlier than it used to. And this is the double-edged thing of tolerance. Tolerance keeps us safe. It stops us from destroying ourselves to the yeah. extent that we might. But over time, the even that 20 minutes or even that whatever length of time that you used to get in your 20s or whatever, you know, for, it just disappeared for me. It genuinely did. Um, and I would sit there and with the knowledge that I had, with the awareness that I had, I'd drink, start drinking and it just, it just wouldn't feel good. I wouldn't get the benefit. That, that is the end of, that is where it ends up getting to. Mm, um, mm. And that point about tolerance, like you, you're building, your body's um, getting very, very good at purging the toxic substance yeah. um, and keeping you alive but you are not just building tolerance to the substance. You are building tolerance to fun and yeah. pleasure in your life. And and that diagram that we were looking at before, for anyone that was wondering, that was the point it was making about yes. going to the cinema, reading a book, is that the dienorphin and everything, it floods everything. It's like a filter that's on your life. So 
drinking becomes put on this kind of like pedestal as the ultimate life experience mm. um but it colors everything else so reading a book drinking a cup of tea going out for friends it just loses its sparkle it's magic yeah doesn't it? It, it yeah it, it takes the so you take the edge off the pen but you take the edge off everything else as well yeah. and and this is like that experience that i think i explained one of my clients referred to it like turning down the yeah. dimmer switch you know turning the color off life it's making everything everything making everything gray. Um, there was something else I was going to say about that too. Oh, oh yeah, this is the whole point about, so earlier we were talking about why the descent is faster when you drink to numb pain, to self-medicate for stress release, for relaxation, as opposed to drinking for fun or something, some other reason. And this is it, that the, the artificial overstimulation of the pleasure center of the brain is so great that there are very few, if not anything, any of the things, any of the substances, um, safe substances, certainly, that are, are going to get anywhere near that. So, you know, there are what the top five uh, most addictive substances in the world, most addictive drugs in the world, things that you would know about, like heroin. And guess what's right up there with them? Alcohol. Because oh, yeah. the, the levels of dopamine are so much greater. I, I think I read something like when you, if you use heroin, it will increase your dopamine levels by something like 300%. But alcohol in studies, and I, I hate, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of um, research with animals by any means, but the research that I picked up on was something like with alcohol, it's anywhere between, I think, 90 and 240%. It was something like that. So it's huge. The, these increases in dopamine are huge. You're not going to get them with other things. And over time, if that's what your body becomes accustomed to and your brain becomes accustomed to, that's what it's going to want. So the thought of, you know, a candle and a bath and a cup of tea you, you you're gonna laugh at that you know what oh, how's that how's that gonna help me yeah sorry Sam but but ultimately ultimately what I know to be true my own experience and having seen it with so many clients and other people now that have gone through the process of removing alcohol from their lives anxiety does reduce absolutely it does it doesn't mean that it's going to be eliminated entirely but it it does reduce and you also have this clarity that then allows you to see and feel your life in a uh, in a way where you are fully present and you can attend to the things that you need to attend to. So if you have an underlying anxiety disorder or you feel that that may be the case for you, then you are in a position to be able to seek the appropriate support and help with that as opposed to self-medicating and numbing it away. And the other thing that I wanted to say at this point in time is that having some level of anxiety is natural and is quite normal. And everybody experiences anxiety. It's it's one of the um, one of the you know fundamental things about being human. And it's okay. It's okay to feel anxiety, provided that it's not a heightened state of anxiety all the bloody time. And the other little bit of hope, because I touched on it a second ago, is the bath and the candle, and, and it doesn't have to be a bath and a candle, but trust me, there are so many different 
things, resources, tools, and we've got loads of them to talk about with you that you can turn to. So if you are in any way sober curious or you're on the path of removing alcohol from your life and you are looking for other things to add in whilst you embody your new belief of alcohol doesn't relax me, it does the entire opposite, then there are plenty of different things. The, the important thing is variety, to try lots of different things and really tune into your own nervous system and find out what makes the difference for you so that you can do more of those things. Yeah, definitely. I would like, just just before we dive into that, I would, I would like to give people just a, an interesting perspective on something because I think sometimes it's hard to see the label from inside the jar. So with drinking, you know, but to give you an example, if um, so nicotine, the nicotine cycle is a really interesting uh, thing to reflect on. So the idea that, you know, the moment that you may you smoke a cigarette, nicotine starts leaving the system, your body wants homeostasis and balance. So it starts clearing it as quickly as it can. Now mm-hmm. that withdrawal period, okay, which slowly starts to make you feel kind of like nervous, anxious, not feeling very good. You know, you start to just get to this point of like having like mild stress. Alan Carr used to kind of talks about it as being like very similar to like having sort of life stress really. And mm. there's just this thing of just like, oh, I just oh, I need a cigarette, right? You hear people say it all the time. Now the moment you then smoke that cigarette, you get a release, you get a, oh, that moment, right? That mm-hmm. a lot of us know, whatever it be for many of us, it might be whatever it is, the rele- the kind of the release. Um, and we pile the credit for that onto the cigarette or the drink or the whatever it is. Um, but it's, it's in zooming out, like you've really nicely explained, Elliot, and looking at the bigger picture that we start to see, well, actually, the fact that I feel like this is caused by the cigarette. The cigarette feels like it's relieving it, but it isn't. And I think something that a lot of people don't realize with alcohol is that because there's a difference here between the feelings and the facts, like it really feels Mm. like the Mm. cigarette is is solving the problem and helping you de-stress. It really feels like um, the drink on a Friday night is relieving the stress from the week. Mm. But what we don't realize is that thought that pops up in our mind on a Wednesday of, oh, I really fancy a drink, right? It feels like a conscious thought that we are in charge of. But that is a withdrawal system in your body pushing something into your But That's how we, our prefrontal cortex speaks to us, it takes the emotions from the level below the limbic system, limbic system, mm. and it turns it into words in our head. Mm. Um, and it's really interesting. If you have had a long time away from, from drinking, and then you do drink. And this is something that I can talk to that I think a lot of people might not be able to, to the extent that I can, because I've had a month off, two months off, three months off, six months off, 19 months off. I've had massively long periods away. Um, if you strip the relief of possibly like, you know, the the stuff in your mind that's going, oh, well, I'll, I'll fit in again and I'll do this. If you go go straight into the physicality of what it's like to drink in those occasions, it's really weird. I can mm-hmm. I can t- speak to what it's like to have a beer after 19 months of not having one and I the strange realization that I had was the first beer just made me feel weird made me feel wonky and disconnected and not good wonky I like yeah. that yeah second beer the same third beer the same and then this strange thing happened clearly I started withdrawing right mm. from the alcohol and then there was this this relief of like oh well i don't feel as weird as i did from beer one and beer two and beer three and then you start getting back into the patterns etc so it can really feel as if 
our experience of these things is that no it does do this for me but actually mm. empowering yourself to understand the science and to know the bigger picture and to take a step back and look at how the dots connect mm. um is massively massively powerful um mm. i i really like how you describe it as connecting the dots because it that is it, it is so important i hear from people quite a lot that in those early stages of removing alcohol where there there is discomfort because there is from withdrawal that's often in the very early days the thing that sends people right back into it mm -hmm. because they just want to feel better and they don't want to sit through the discomfort um, and, and part of that is we're, we're not used to sitting through discomfort it's part of its conditioning um, neural pathways that have been built over a lot of um, time and strengthened over time but going back into that cycle, it's just re it's it's frustrating when you see people do it because you know that it's just elongating the yeah. the suffering because you are perpetuating this myth that um, alcohol actually oh it, it makes me sleep better and makes me feel better and all of those things when it's the very thing that's causing the itch in the first place. One of the, the stories that I often tell, which came from Annie. So Annie lives, Annie Grace lives in Colorado and in the winter, there's you know a lot of skiing going on and she'll talk about going skiing with the kids. And the best part of uh, a day skiing is the end of the day when they take their ski boots off, these great, big, heavy, um, uncomfortable ski boots and and I haven't skied in many many years but I can imagine I can imagine that feeling of oh when you take these big boots off that you've had an all day but that's not to say the next day when they're around about the house they think do you know what I'm going to do I'm going to put those ski boots on I'm going to march around the house all day in those uncomfortable ski boots just so I can have the relief of taking them off at yeah. the end of the day because it'd be absolute fucking madness Jason. but that is what we do when we drink Jason Vale talks about, you know, get having the bath. You've been in the festival for two days and you get home and you have the bath and it's just heavenly, but you wouldn't put yourself through the eternal festival just to, just to, you know, it's nice every now and again. And, and, you know, our brain, Ellie, I think this is interesting. Our brain will hone in on those, those deep sigh moments, the kind of like, ah, bit. Mm. And one tactic or one tool I often give clients is that joining the dots thing is a really interesting thing to do as an exercise, sit with a piece of paper and literally join the dots. You, you, you go and look at like, you know, people will talk about, Oh, but I know I can do this. I, there was that night where I did this thing where I drank four pints and, and I didn't drink more than I wanted. And I didn't feel that bad. And, but really the reality of it is that that night is connected to the previous weekend where something terrible happened or the week after and the false confidence that we get from a night like that leads us to drink more the next week mm -hmm. but we disconnect these things in our mind we disconnect the feeling before from the hangover afterwards you know we disconnect all of these dots and actually mm -hmm. again zooming back and looking back makes you realize actually on the bigger picture level uh alcohol is actually screwing my life up it's not actually relaxing me at all mm. it's like you know pouring gasoline on on the anxiety i can't remember who said that but it's it's definitely it's so, true yeah it's it, it it is so true i think annie actually refers to that very um example in in the book and where where this started from with talking about mindful drinking and almost like you know 
take taking every other decoupling everything else from the drink so not doing this mindful drinking exercise while you're with friends or watching something stimulating and entertaining on the television there's a an exercise uh, this exercise that annie did which she uh, has as part of the alcohol experiment the very end of the alcohol experiment she provides a video where she literally sat herself in a room with mm-hmm. nothing but a bottle of wine and you know nothing to stimulate her whatsoever and she recorded herself drinking the entire bottle of wine and and it's hard watching it is. it's very very hard it's watching it's it is and fortunately i've never felt the need to do that but that's a, that's what you're alluding to it's not Mind, mindfully drinking you know on a night out with your friends is going to be very very different from mindfully drinking on your own at home where you can really pay attention and you can make sure that you are putting attention on the feelings that are directly associated with drinking as opposed to socializing being in good company connecting with other people having fun with friends because this the, the, it all gets very very um mixed up and blurred if you don't have the the clarity around what you what you are really being mindful about that's it and yeah and you know what it, it's you really do get handed a gift after going through this journey because we, i think we'll dive into some of the body stuff now really um and the kind of like things and ideas of what you can do to actually re- actually relax yourself, right? To actually de-stress in a really positive way. But I can honestly say now, I don't know if you feel the same, but in my best moments, not always, but this morning I had this experience. The deep sigh feeling is available mm. to me on tap now. Oh yeah, yeah. And I can get that by, I just remember present moment, get a bit of gratitude in me. I get a little bit of my God, like, I didn't think I'd ever own a flat. I didn't think I'd ever do this or do that. And then it's, it's, it's literally breathing and I just let it out. And that feeling is, mm. is just there and I can have it whenever I want it. It's so relaxing. It's so mm. relaxing to be able to have that on tap. And, and yet I have had to develop that and work on that and, and work with breath work. And we're, we're going to share something, aren't we? But yeah, you know, there's so many ways, there's so many routes to relaxation that are beautiful and freeing. And I've got a few nice things to share, but is there anything that jumps out that you really want to riff on on this bit? Cause I think this is an important. Well, I just, I just want to talk a little bit about what you've said there about it's like these moments of pure joy mm. that they are so important and to, to be able to capture them and fully feel it you have to be in the present moment it's the only way that you can have it and so cultivating a present mind is uh, and a present body and a present spirit is it is really really important that that is the work but it is so beneficial like I I think the biggest most exciting thing about going alcohol free was realizing that I could feel joy like I did when I was a kid I thought that had long gone. I really did. And to know that you can feel as joyful as you did as a kid, that tops anything in, in my book. And it's not to say that your life is joyful 100% of the time and alcohol, removing alcohol is the panacea and you, you never, ever have any issues ever again in your life. That's not true. But your life is um the the true human experience which broadly is going to be about 50 50 right so you're going to have 
50% positive, 50% negative for argument's sake. But we need that. We need that contrast. So you need the lows to feel the highs. And if you can accept that your life's pretty much going to be 50-50, then you are going to really be able to dwell and enjoy the upside. If conversely, you bemoan having the 50%, which is more on the negative side, then you are eating into your 50% of the good times, if you see what I mean. So it's, I think it's important to recognize that life is going to be a rich tapestry of ups and downs, but by being present and being alcohol free, you are there to feel it in its entirety. And that means feeling the lowest laws. And there are lots of tools and resources that we can talk about as time goes on with how you deal with the, the really um, trying stuff in life. But then you also feel the highs. And the great thing, because it's always a gift, the great thing about feeling the lows and being fully present for them is that you build the most extraordinary emotional strength and resilience that you never thought that you had. And the more that you do it, the more capable you feel of dealing with the next thing that comes up. And, and this is how your life expands, because you are more willing to put yourself out there and feel the uncomfortable feelings and process the negative emotion as opposed to numbing it away. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I, ha I agree with that. And on another level, I have a maybe a different relationship with some of these things. I feel as if to me, there's this dualistic world of like good and bad, happy and sad, all these things. Then there are, there are things that are not that, that are not held within the world of the ego and judgment. And I think joy, and that's the difference for me between joy and happiness. Happiness is something, and words, you know, we get lost in words here, but something may cause me to be happy for a short while. Like, you know, something will happen and this kind of condition comes along that makes me happy. And, but then when that leaves, the Buddha talks about this, the moment that that condition leaves, then it brings me sadness. So tied within every happiness is a sadness and it's kind mm -hmm. of the ebb and the flow. But joy and contentment, which to mm -hmm. me are very different to happiness, they are within. So they're, they're there, always there, like a, like a well that doesn't run out that we can tap into. And it's not that we constantly live in a state of endless joy. But if we are healthy and looking after ourselves by eating well and, and you know, feeding our mind a good diet as well as our body, um, and we're feeling gratitude and we're in the present moment, that feeling, that upwelling of joy, um, that to me is something that happens at a different level to say happiness. And, and I think part of it, I think it's both, Ellie. I think it's it's living in the happiness and the sadness as that comes and 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 living in, in that reality, but also connecting to this deeper level of contentment, um, you know, and peace and joy, which I, I think, I don't really know if they have opposites in the same way that like, you know, some of these other things have opposites in, in the world anyway a bit um what's the word a little bit off off tangent there but no but it's interesting True. so i think if i looked back the one thing that i wanted when i just before i stopped drinking the one thing that i wanted in my life more than anything else was peace yeah. I, w I wanted peace i wanted to be calm uh i wanted to be content and it's so interesting to think how stuck I was and how unavailable those three things were to me all the time that you 
are imbibing a substance that is going to effectively induce anxiety. And yeah. even if, even if you don't drink, I was about to go regularly in inverted commas, even if you manage to, you know, like, let's say drink to the guidelines, because, you know, loads of people do that, don't they? Loads of people only have the, what is it, 14 units a week and a few alcohol-free days a week. Let's say that you do. Let's say you're one of the few that do. Then uh, you are going to be in a constant state of withdrawal. You are. You are going to have that push and pull of alcohol in your system and you are never going to find the point where you truly feel as good as you can feel. The only way yeah. to find that is to take a significant time, a significant break from alcohol. And what I mean by significant is a couple of weeks for it to get out of your system. This is why the alcohol experiment is such a great experiment to do. It doesn't mean that you have to give up forever, um, but 30 days alcohol free, if you haven't experienced it, and you are a drinker, I would highly recommend that you try it because otherwise, how do you know how you're going to feel? Yeah. And these, these beliefs that we're talking about. So I'll just a quick story. We haven't even got to the uh, things jelly. This is what always happens with us, isn't it? But I think this is good to, I think it's good to go deep on this. I was with a client coaching a client the other day and um, she was talking to me about how wine uh, makes her feel and about halfway through she apologized and I was sort of like why don't don't mind she and she said to me I, I was afraid I was going to trigger you <laughs> my reaction was to laugh because at this point and she and she sort of said oh, oh you're well beyond it are you and I was like look look this is not and I can rem relate to this this feeling of like oh this is not me pretending I'm not sitting in front of you pretending like this is it when you stick your head out and get out into the real world and get all of this out of you and work on these beliefs the sense of freedom is beyond anything that you've ever imagined before the i i can honestly say that if somebody said to me here's alcohol take it back i promise you you can moderate to perfection for the rest of your life i tell him to disappear with it i don't want it i do not want it and because what's really relaxing is you know so this afternoon for example it's one of my my line manager at work he's leaving and we're going out for it's, it's, the lads are going out for drinks, basically people from work are going out for drinks. And do you know what is genuinely relaxing, Ellie, is knowing that I'm going to go out, talk to them, have fun, mm -hmm. have a couple of soda waters, whatever. Um, I'm going to leave when I want to leave. I'm going to come home and just reconnect with my beautiful girlfriend we're going to have a wonderful night i'm going to cook myself some food i'm going to wake up tomorrow feeling incredible i'm going to get everything i used to want the socializing the connection the joy and that is relaxing that mm. is just so nice to know that that is what is going to happen <laughs> yeah and and that and, and to that exact point we've got an episode coming up specifically on that connection we do and yeah that so we'll we'll pause that for now. Yep. But but you you are so right. It's I, I remember that that same feeling of absolute freedom of I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to drink this anymore, and it's it was a phenomenal phenomenal feeling. Yeah. Um, strange after drinking for so many years, but that's the power of belief. That's the power of the subconscious. Yep. So changing your beliefs and then living out those new beliefs, embodying the new, those new beliefs 
and this is why the methodology from this naked mind is so powerful and effective because it truly truly works and it makes it effortless so if if you are in this situation now where you have the belief that drinking relaxes you I mean hopefully we've given you enough information certainly as a starting point for questioning that belief do the mindful drinking exercise and um you know see see what's really true for you see what you uncover because you know I'm, I'm never going to argue with somebody that you can have 20 minutes worth of, of uh, relief but what I do talk to my clients about is well is it worth it so you can have it by all means you know I'm, I'm never going to you know try and stop somebody from drinking if that's what they want to do but I am going to be very very unapologetic about what's on offer and the trade-off is here you go here's your 20 minutes and then here's your four to five hours at least of dysphoria associated with it so is, is that what you want or something else and if it's you want something else then we're then getting into the realms of taking a break and starting to add in this new stuff and let's That's let's this. Sorry, and let's and let's not pretend as well that that twenty minutes that you're talking about, Ellie, is like part of the human experience. That, that is what we're meant to do. You know, everyone's meant to go out and drink and get this twenty minutes. It's like, no, no, no. The reason you get that twenty is because you're you're getting the other stuff as well. Like it's part and parcel of the same picture, mm. right? So mm. you can have that, but understand where it's really coming from. Okay, right. Come on, let's share a few things because I think it'd be cool to share something um, for bringing on relaxation in the moment. I know you've got something that you use. It's really powerful. And then perhaps we can just share a few ideas of like other things, ings, like maybe, you know, other thing, ings that people can try out, you know, be it yeah. activities that can really help. So go on, what, what was the the thing that you shared with me I'm earlier? Just, it's great. I'm, I'm just laughing because we always come at opposite ends. I want to go, I want to go out. I want to zoom out first and you want to zoom right well, in. Let's do it the other way then. It's fine. <laughs> um, just, I, I, I kind of just about the way my brain works. I suppose I just want to, want to frame things that, I was thinking earlier about what would be useful to offer. And of course, we've got, you know, unlimited amount of podcasts that we can, where we can get into specific things. But suffice to say that there are, I see it as like buckets of things. There are buckets of things that you can pay for. So you can go and pay for some therapy. You can go and pay a cognitive behavioral therapist. You can go and pay for a massage or a spa day or a flotation, something like that. There are things that you can pay for. You can pay to go to the gym. You can pay for classes all of that sort of stuff. There are then things that you can consume, I mean, physically consume uh, into the body or not. And those things might be supplements. There are some really useful supplements, albeit you have to be very careful about what else you've got in the mix. Um, but there are some really, really useful supplements out there. And again, we may bring in a functional nutritionist so we can talk about that specifically but you know things like whole foods just eating the kind of diet that we are supposed to eat as human beings proper whole foods hydrating properly and then the things that we're not supposed to consume everyone hates me for it but caffeine don't drink the coffee there are those things that's that bucket um and then and we'll We'll do an episode on caffeine. I've got a really good story about caffeine, but Me again, too. we'll come back for that one. Mine goes on. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other list of things, the other bucket of things is the, the somatic practices. 
And there, there are so bloody many of them and you have to try them out and you have to kind of suspend any judgment and just try these things and see the, the, the litmus test is how do you physically feel during and afterwards? And also thinking about delayed gratification, because with something like meditation, for example, you will feel the benefit in the short term, but cumulatively, if you can, if you can get a practice refined over time, the cumulative benefit of it is just something else. And so these practices are all uh, yoga, meditation, uh, things like earthing, Breath grounding. Um, what else have we got on my list? Journaling. Breath work. I think because I think when people think yoga, they think asana and movement. But, you know, you've got there's so many parts to that, right? Cleansing. There's all sorts of cleansing yoga techniques. Shakyamas you can go and look up. There's all sorts of um, pranayama breathing techniques. It really is a path more than a than a 90 minutes spent in a sweaty room. <laughs> oh, yeah. For, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a, a way of life. Um, but breath work, we were talking earlier about breath work. Oh, it's got his, it's got his bazu out there. Um, healing bowls, sound healing. <laughs> gong baths. Oh, yeah, yeah, gong it's bath. amazing. So good. Um, we were talking about breath work earlier, and um, I haven't been watching the time. Hopefully you have, but I think... The, we the have one, time for this, I think. The, yes. the, one, the one thing that we can leave people with in this episode is one or two breathwork techniques because the one thing regardless of how much money you've got how much time you've got the one thing that is accessible and universal for everybody is um, being able to uh, perform a breathwork technique that is going to and it doesn't have to be complicated it can be very simple but is going to change your physiology and bring you into a state of of calm of relaxation reduce anxiety and you are the breathwork master um with all of your credentials but there are i mean yours is great well it 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 is and it bloody well works the the thing the thing that i will say is that and and i say this to clients because sometimes when i start talking about breathwork people get a bit um agitated (laughs) what are you going to have me do but even if it's just as simple as putting your hands onto your lower abdomen and breathing into your abdomen, your lower belly, as opposed to breathing up here in the chest. If you can just breathe, that put your hands there as a reminder and breathe into the belly, long, slow, deep breaths and elongate your exhale so that your exhale is longer than your inhale. That is going to allow you to um, uh, regulate your nervous system and to get into you'll have heard about parasympathetic um, response to get into that as opposed to being in a sympathetic response so long deep breaths with a longer exhale than inhale that that is as basic as it gets but it bloody well works and the one that I'm a particular fan of at the moment is taking two big inhales through the nose and then a a sigh out and you can do that as few as five six times and it will completely change your state i promise yeah 100 percent. and you know ellie what works works and this is it i can having trained and certified in different breathwork techniques and and uh, disciplines the ones that i use on a daily basis honestly are the most simple like people are 
often asking for more and they want this one and that one and they want to do breath of fire and and hang upside mm. down and do all this but ultimately really this is about the very simple reality that your mind um uh, your emotional body and your prefrontal context your logical brain they don't really talk the same language so when you are stressed when you are anxious it's all well and good hopping in there and trying to think yourself out of a shitstorm but it doesn't it doesn't get that doesn't cut the mustard what does well if you do what ellie said if you just breathe long and slow or if you just breathe um for example four for a count in for four through the nose and a count eight through the nose out um you will teach your body that you're calm because that is how you breathe when you're calm Mm. And your body will go, oh, hang on a minute. I'm now breathing like I'm a calm person. I mm. will start to be a calm person. And that's why it's so powerful. So, yeah, I think we should do a whole, possibly a whole podcast on uh, diving into breath work. And perhaps we can bring some other people in for that as well, because there's uh, there's a lot to be said about that. But yeah, yeah power. There is, there is so much. And, and the, what I would encourage everybody to think about is, and this is what I teach in my coaching practice, is having like a baseline of habits that are nourishing things like a a daily ish practice of meditation journaling um it might be physical yoga practice it might be pilates and anything else it might just be going for a walk it might be listening to music but having daily nourishing practices for yourself that include uh non-sleep deep rest protocols because that's what we really need to be able to allow the the mind to have space uh but also um, so that that baseline is going to allow you to fill your tank and to build reserves of adaptive energy which you're then going to deplete and use over the course of the day but then it's also having these specific tools to use in the moment so if you have a moment of anxiety if you're stuck in traffic and you're climbing the walls because you hate being stuck in traffic, that breathwork technique, uh, any of the breathwork techniques that we've mentioned, those, I mean, they're all very similar, but using something like that in the moment is going to change your state. Um, and then you can start to couple and layer things. So breathwork and I've, I've been coaching a lady who, like me, was a massive consumer of news. What does the news do? It makes you anxious, particularly if you live somewhere where the news is um, particularly biased towards tragedy and very um, negative things going on in the world. And so what, what can she do? Well, she can do her, she's sat in the car, she can do her breath work at the same time as listening to something that is very very soothing or something that is very very uplifting so it might sound simple but that's because it is these things they can make such a a big difference but it's all about being intentional being deliberate and practicing them uh, and noticing how you feel because if something feels good you want to do more of it if it doesn't feel so good or it doesn't really register you need to try something else this is where variety comes in that's it and um yeah don't block yourself just because you think you've only got a minute just do it one minute i mean this is what happens you know you put a minute into something you feel better you turn it into two you turn it into three there's Mm. every piece of value there's so much value in meditating for a minute there's so much value in just doing 10 rounds of a breath or whatever and it will grow into formalized practices that really bring you joy at some point I will share my daily routine um, and what it's grown Ooh, yeah. into 
yeah. what it's grown into over 10 or 12 years. Um, yeah. Right, Ellie. I, I just on. want to say one last thing. And the promise that I will make to anybody that goes on this journey is that you will find feeling, euphoria, joy, all the things that you want to feel and more by going down this road and by pouring into yourself in this way instead of checking out and numbing yourself. And we'll talk about this, I think, more in the, the episode about connection. Yep. But it, when, when I was talking earlier about you're not going to get the same high from anything else, in the moment that is true. But then if you look at, again, zooming out, bigger picture, I, I and, and this is the honest to God truth, like I never thought that I would be able to feel joy like I did when I was a kid. Again, I, I thought that that was gone. You know, I'm an adult now, I don't have that. And that's false. You absolutely can have that. Talk to anybody that has been alcohol-free for a good chunk of time, or even not just a good chunk of time, but it, in that way where they've explored something with curiosity to see what's really on offer. And it is astounding. It's absolutely astounding. That's it. This is the magic of doing the work. And I think the two things that come to me just to finish on are everything you thought alcohol gave you or gives you is inside of you. And, mm. you know, you can move from a place of borrowing happiness from tomorrow, which is the reality yeah. of drinking beer and then suffering mm. um, to a place where, you know, not everything is unicorns and rainbows, but in your greatest moment, you will be on the back of a unicorn jumping over a rainbow. There Eating we go. Cheese. <laughs> Eating cheese. Eating cheese. Eat Santalgare blissfully. Right. Okay. Um over an hour, almost an hour there, Ellie, I think. But I think it was worth jumping into and really hopping about hopping into that. Um yes. And what we want to do is make sure that we are interspersing these specific episodes where we talk purely about beliefs and take one belief at a time yep. and really get into the detail with it because th this is what we're hearing from you is really, really helpful. So my last plea is uh, please do share the podcast with anybody that you think may benefit from hearing it and getting a different perspective. And please let us know what beliefs you want us to cover. So what, what yeah. do you want to hear us talk about next? And if you find a particular episode that really helps you, if you do write us a review, refer to that episode. I think, I don't know if you noticed, yeah. but the way I read, I flit around all over the show and I look for certain ones. And I think what resonates with some doesn't resonate with others. So if this one is killer for you, then, you know, put, you know, this was a really great episode because I think people will, that will really help people. So yes. Yeah. Right, Ellie, Good I'm going to hit that big square stop button and um, Lots of wish everyone folks. a lovely week. Hey, present and sober team. There we are. So another awesome episode. Hopefully that will have really helped you out. And, you know, it's so important for us to reflect on these beliefs because they're not just beliefs. They are literally the world that we inhabit. If we change our beliefs, if we change our belief system, then we quite literally inhabit a new reality. We see the world very often as we are, not as it is. And as we start to realize that, we can start to make real positive change in our life. So next week, we're going to tackle another huge belief. We're going to look at alcohol and connection. And we're sold this story. We are told over and over again, hundreds of times, if not thousands of times a day through adverts, through the telly, through all these different mediums of uh, information exchange, that alcohol is required to connect. And uh, much like we've learned with relaxing, the, the real picture is probably not 
the, the picture that we've grown up with and the things that we have thought and believed for many, many years. So make sure you tune into that one. We're going to make sure that it's a really, really useful one for you with a lot of uh, tactics and tools that you can use for the future. Okay, uh, I'm currently on holiday in sunny Norfolk. I'm going to go and enjoy my day. I hope you all have an awesome week, whatever you're doing. Please go and leave us a review. It really helps us out with rankings and uh, helps us reach more people. And we're available now everywhere, Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you're listening from. So have an awesome week and let's keep making life bigger together. <laughs>